Thank you, Robbie and Tina, for doing the Advent candle this morning. Good morning. Before we get into the message today, I'd like to ask you to pull out your connection card. Okay, it's in the pew in front of you. And if you would, during the service sometime, please, please fill out the connection card. <clears throat> and especially if you're new to our church or you're visiting for the first time, we'd really like to welcome you and we'd like to get to know you better. And the connection card is, is one way that uh, we can help, that can help us do that. And uh, so it gives you the opportunity to share any contact information or any comments you may have. And if you would just uh, fill that out and then leave it on the pew, it'll be picked up after service. Uh, regarding announcements in your program, you turn to the, I don't know if it's the front of your program or the back of your program, turn to the part where the announcements are, I'll just highlight a few things. Uh, this afternoon after service, uh, you saw Junko and Anthony, and they will uh, be um, uh, giving a concert at 1230 here in the sanctuary. So please join us to, uh, to worship and to praise and to hear their, their music um, and their gifts to God. Um, on Saturday, we have uh, our annual mochizuki. So this is our annual mochi making event. And so it starts at 8 a.m., right? I think that's, so 8 a.m., so please join us here at the church for the Mochitsuki. And um, one other announcement is that this mid-year congregational meeting that you see advertised here, um, it's been changed from January 13th, Saturday, January 13th, to January 20th. Okay, so please make note of that. This is um, in the new year. Saturday, January 20th, will be the mid-year congregational meeting. And so please sign up at the website uh, or on your connection card. And I understand that space is limited because they're providing dinner and um, it's in the social hall. So uh, please sign up as soon as you can. I guess the last thing I'll mention is, um, is to remember those that are Listed on the bottom of your program, okay, under prayer requests. I don't think it says specifically what to pray for, but I think many of you know the people on the list. Please pray for members in our church. Pray for them and for their needs, okay? So uh, let me be one of the first to say, <clears throat> I think it's, it's really weird not having Pastor Rick here. <laughs> Right? It's, it's strange to think that he's like not on vacation or he's not out there somewhere and that he's not actually going to, to come back. Um, and I, I think that for some of us, his absence, right, his absence will take getting used to. Uh, it's a change. We will miss him. But I also wanted to say that, that I'm excited I'm excited for what God can and will do in our church uh, and in us as a congregation. I think he has uh, exciting plans for us, and I think that uh, God will continue to work in us as we continue to seek him. And so um, I just wanted to say that because I feel like 
You know, that's how I feel. It's unusual that he's not, that Pastor Rick's not here, and yet ministry continues. God is the center of our ministry. Jesus, um, uh, this is his church, his ministry. And so as we look forward to Christmas and the future, um, let's continue to seek him together. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and as you already know, I think from Pastor Corey's message last week, Advent means coming. It means arrival. It's expectation. And for us in the church, it means the anticipated arrival of Jesus, our King. Now, not only does it refer to his birth at Christmas time, but Advent, theologically, it also refers to his second coming, when he will return to earth, when Jesus Christ will return to earth in power and glory. This morning, we're continuing on in our, our sermon series, and we're looking at the expectations that come with the arrival of Christ. Now, when Pastor Corey asked me, and he asked me pretty early, um, back in October, I think, he asked me if I would speak today on this Sunday. I, you know, I jumped at the chance. Uh, I really did. See, I love talking about the Bible. I love talking about Scripture. I love looking at it. I love looking at it and seeing and understanding who God is, what he's done for us, and then what that means for our lives, what that means as to how we should live our lives. Corey said the theme would be peace, and I said, okay, that's, that's a good theme, you know, that makes sense with Advent and all. And then he said, but I'd also like you to talk about heartbreak expecting heartbreak. And I thought, huh? Peace and heartbreak? As my kids would say, peace and heartbreak? Question mark? I thought, those two, th- those two things, they, they don't go together. That's like oil and water. It's like rain and sunshine, spaghetti and rice balls. And as I've been thinking about this and I've been preparing for this message, I think it's really more accurate to say the Lord has been preparing me for this message. And I think he's shown me how heartbreak, or the word I'd use is heartache, you see in your program, heartache, how heartache and peace do go together. I think the Lord puts them together. And we'll see in scripture some of that. Both of them are important parts of our life with Christ. So let's pray. Father, I pray that um, your spirit would be present here with us. Lord, I ask that as we reach out to you, that you would minister to us. And Lord, that you would speak your words uh, through me. They would be your words, your thoughts. Your intentions, Lord, not mine. And that you would bless us together as a congregation, bless us corporately and individually, help us to see you and to be changed before you. 
Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever gone from peace and contentment one day or one moment to fear and uncertainty the next? Where life one day, everything's fine. And then the next day, everything seems just out of control. I don't know if you've had that experience, but we'll see that this is what happened for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus in our passage today. Right? We all know the Christmas story in Matthew 2, 9 through 12, and this is where we'll be looking, is in Matthew chapter 2. We see the Magi and the wise men, they're on a journey. They're on a journey in search of the one who has been born King of the Jews. They come from distant lands, so they've been traveling a while. They had followed um, the star, right, this miraculous star. They followed it, followed it until it stopped over a stable in Bethlehem. They're overjoyed to know that they have finally found the Messiah, the one sent by God. In these humble surroundings, the wise men see the baby Jesus, Right? They see his mother, Mary, and they bow down and they worship him. It's the familiar right, nativity scene. The wise men before God, they present him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after they've honored the child and blessed the family, they leave. Right? They return to their countries. And on that Christmas, Things couldn't be any more perfect, or as we see it and as it's been depicted, any more peaceful. But then we come to our text this morning, and this is Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. So it's just right after this Christmas scene. Think of this as the day after. It says, when they, speaking of the Magi, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. So he got up. Oh, excuse me. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. In this passage, a passage filled with anxiety, with fear, and unimaginable sadness, three things, okay, stand out to me. And the first is that following Jesus means difficulty and hardship. Okay, we see that in this passage. Just days after one of the most beautiful scenes in Scripture, 
where the Son of God arrives, we read that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus have to flee in the dead of night because the king, the king of their own people, right, is after them. Now, this story is, is of epic proportions, right? This is the Son of God. This is God's story we're talking about. But I think there's a basic truth to be grasped here. That on the path of following Jesus, we can expect difficulty and hardship. Just look at the lives of the people that were closest to Jesus. Think of what you know of Scripture. Those that loved him most. His disciples. His followers. His family. Their lives were full of trial and hardship. Now to, now to be clear, right? everybody's life is difficult. Christian, non-Christian. Right? Everyone in the world has problems, be it relational, emotional, physical, material, financial. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about those that are Christians, those that choose to follow Jesus, those of us that follow Jesus in our life, in our decisions, our priorities, and our actions. I think the Bible is clear. Our lives on earth will be more difficult if we follow Christ. Now, I don't know if this is like a new thought to you or a new idea, or you, you understand this. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if I become a Christian, if I accept Jesus into my life, things will all get better. And Jesus and the Lord promises great things for us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we will avoid trial and hardship. Okay, in fact, we see that it's part of our lives. Why is that? Right? Well, first, we live in a flawed world. We live in a sinful society. We struggle with our own sin and flesh. We have an enemy. Right? And this might be one of the biggest things. We have an enemy. Right? Once we align with God, we have an enemy that opposes God's work in our lives and God's work in the world. And if we choose not to follow Jesus, if we just live for ourselves, then none of those things matter. Right? Kind of conflict avoided. We take the path of least resistance. But if we follow Christ and we look at the life of Jesus we see how difficult it can be. In Acts 14.22, Paul and Barnabas, they preached the gospel to the Gentiles, and then they told those believers who were new believers, they said in Acts 14.22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In the Not a Fan series that some of us did over the last few months, right? we learned that Jesus' call to his followers in Luke 9.23, is to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Mary is a good example. Before Jesus is born, Mary rejoices in the Lord and praises God for blessing her with the Son of God, blessing her with his Son, 
In Luke 1, 46 through 49, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. How blessed she was to be the mother of Jesus. Smack dab right in the center of God's perfect plan and his will. And yet we know from scripture, we know from history, how hard her life was. See her now in Matthew 2, right, fleeing in the dead of night for her family's life. And at some point, I think she can't help but wonder, is this really God's plan? Right? Is this what's supposed to happen? And this leads, I think, us to, I think it leads us to a very important question. Can you be blessed by God and yet have a life of difficulty and heartache? I ask the question because sometimes I think we equate trials and hardships in a person's life as an absence of God's blessing. I think we'd rather oftentimes be the one praying for the people on the prayer list than being the one on the prayer list, the one in need. And on the flip side, we see comfort, ease, and prosperity as being a sign of his blessing. Now, at times, this could be true. Okay? That may be very accurate. In the Old Testament, God blesses Abraham. He blesses the seed of Abraham and the nation of Israel to show that he is true and that he has these blessings. And you see that prosperity in Abraham, in David, in, in, this, in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there's a bit of a switch. And I think when you look at the followers of Jesus in the New Testament, you see that their lives may be full of difficulty and hardship. At times, um, again, we know this is true, but the essence of New Testament blessing is receiving God's favor. And the emphasis there is on the spiritual, not on the material. But God loves to bless his people. God loves to extend his favor. But that doesn't mean smooth sailing. See it in the lives of Mary and the disciples, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, and of course Jesus himself. Sometimes I think the question we may need to ask ourselves is if we aren't experiencing difficulty and hardship, are we actively following Jesus where he goes? Second is, the second point here is following Jesus means that God will direct you. So while there's trial and hardship in our lives, God has promises for us that follow him. Second is that God will direct you. Matthew 2.13, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, 
for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. In all the craziness going on here, one thing I don't want us to miss is the direction and the protection provided to Joseph through an angel. The angel told him to flee, to escape, right, to get out of Dodge, to take off, because God knew what was going to happen. This unexpected turn of events in Joseph and Mary's life was not a surprise to God. Now, were Joseph and Mary fearful? Right? Were they concerned? I, I don't see how they couldn't be. But see how the Lord provided protection and direction for them. One of the things that I found interesting here in verse 13 is the angel says, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. And then he says, stay there until I tell you. So he tells them, right, you've just had a baby, not just any baby, right, a special baby. But now flee, flee from the country, flee away from your family, flee away from your friends, and go to some place totally different and wait there. And I think how difficult that must have been. And that dreaded word, the dreaded four-letter word, wait. Right? Waiting might be the most difficult part about seeking God's direction. I'm not sure about, about you, but for me, I feel like waiting, waiting has been a big part of my life lately. There's things I want to move on from, situations I would like to have changed. And in those times, waiting can feel like torture. I was reminded of when Jean Hara was up here. I don't know if you guys were here in service several weeks ago. Uh, but Jean Hara came up and she shared the struggle and the loneliness and the lack of direction she felt after her husband Bill passed away. And she wanted to just move on, turn the page. But she knew she had to wait on the Lord. If you're in a similar place, waiting on God, kind of waiting, watching, wondering when God will change the situation, I want to encourage you to cling to the Lord. The prophet in Lamentations 3, 24 through 26 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So back in Matthew 2, the angel makes good on his promise, and he again appears to Joseph. Look at Matthew 2, 19 through 20. It says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, to Joseph in Egypt, and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So I don't know exactly how much time has passed, but the Lord showed that he hadn't forgotten about Joseph and Mary there in Egypt. He remembered 
he was still directing their paths. And I believe that he will do the same for us. That God sees us, he sees you in your situation. He's still there, ready to direct your path. I believe he will do the same if we trust and submit to him. Now, I think that's a big if, because sometimes, honestly, I feel like I don't or we don't want the Lord involved. We set our own agendas, we make our own plans, we pursue our own interests without asking God what his will is. And then we just want his blessing. God is gracious, though. Okay, God is gracious, and he can come through. But submission is key. See it in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and then he will make your path straight. The last point, following Jesus means the promise of peace. Now, you look at Matthew 2, there's, there's really no mention of peace in this passage, so I, I kind of cheated here. Okay, but I think if we, we look at other scriptures and we look at the Bible, we understand that God has promised peace. There are passages already shared this morning by Pastor Corey and Tina and others that tell you that Jesus promises peace. And I believe that Joseph and Mary had that peace. Okay, when we see the word peace in the Bible, though, we usually think of uh, several things. We usually think of a quiet, serene right, type of uh, place. We think an absence of conflict or war among people. Or we think of an absence of strife in a person's life. Right, that usually kind of sums up peace for us. But the English, the English translation can be really limiting. Biblical peace is much deeper. Its roots are in the Hebrew word shalom. Right, the greeting, you've probably heard, the greeting used by Jewish people, one to another, shalom, to convey blessing to others. That's usually in terms of health, prosperity, and victory. Okay, but the core of shalom in the Bible, the core of peace in Scripture, means to be complete or whole by being in right relationship with God. It's not based on circumstance. God alone is our source of peace. In the Old Testament, he is called Yahweh Shalom. John 14, 27, again, says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus is telling his disciples that he will be leaving, but peace is theirs because they know him. They have relationship with him, and their eternal futures are secure in him. This is totally different than the world's peace, which is temporal, circumstantial, and completely dependent on 
self and control of self. Contrary to what the world teaches, peace is not found within ourselves. It's a gift from God. You cannot know true peace if you do not know God. Jesus goes on to say in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, right? You will have heartache. But take heart. I have overcome the world. This is before Jesus in chapter 18 is about to be arrested, right? And we know that when he gets arrested, the disciples, they all scatter, and in, in John 19, right, Jesus is tried and crucified. Okay? And all seems lost. But we know that that's not the case. We know that that is part of God's sovereign, that was part of God's sovereign plan. He knows what's coming. Not only that, he's ultimately in control. The disciples can take heart. Right? Because God is above all these things. Our lives are not random. Your life is not random. Your life is not full of a random sequence of events. If it were, if the Lord was not over our situations and circumstances, then yes, there would be no peace. Right? We might as well go home and curl up right into that fetal position. Jesus would not be trustworthy or peaceworthy if that were the case. But we know that he is. He sees what we're going through. And he will prove to be faithful. He says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So in following Jesus... Right? It means difficulty and hardship. But it means that God will direct us through those things. He will help navigate us in our lives. And he promises us peace. We can see from Matthew that God had a plan for Joseph and Mary and, of course, Jesus. And he has a plan for our lives, a plan to bless us, a plan to bring us into his, his richness and his eternal life, a plan to bring him glory. He tells us clearly that if we follow him, we should expect difficulty and hardship, but he promises to always be with us, to direct us, and to give us peace. Jesus was born on Christmas to bring peace between us and God. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So my encouragement to you is during this season, don't just seek the peace or the joy of Christmas. Seek Jesus. 
Seek the source of true peace and joy. Now, this, this topic of heartache, and, and, and that's kind of the message, but um, I want us to spend a few, time, a few minutes in, in prayer, um, just coming before the Lord and lifting up our hearts. But I wanted to share, you know, that this uh, topic of heartache and peace has been a real challenge for me personally. <clears throat> As I alluded to earlier, I think the Lord has been at work ingraining these truths on my heart and mind. In other words, I've been preaching to myself this message. And I feel like I've been walking kind of in a bit of a valley lately, experiencing frustration, disappointment, waiting for doors to open, for things to change. Sometimes feeling my, my prayers are not being heard. And all the while trying to hold on, hold on to that peace of God, peace of Christ. And I imagine that there are some of you that may feel the same way. You've suffered loss, or you're sad, hurting. Maybe you feel alone, or you feel like you've been waiting a long time for something to change. So right now, I'd like to, for us to pray. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like us to come before the Lord and give him what's on our hearts. And ask for his presence to make us whole. I'll guide us as we pray. Let's bow our heads. So let's just quiet our hearts. Take a deep breath. Father, in the quietness of the sanctuary, We just want to come before you just as we are. We ask that you would hear our prayers. You would hear us as a congregation, as a family, and as individuals. Right now, I just ask you to pray. about the, maybe the struggles of life, the things that you've been going through. Maybe you've gone through hard times and you've suffered loss in your family, in your work, in relationships and friendships. And things are a struggle it seems like there's no end in sight. Just ask you to lift, lift up those, those thoughts and feelings to the Lord. He sees them. He knows them. Let's pray right now.
right now, if you feel distant from the Lord, if you feel like uh, you haven't been walking with him, just want to give us time to pray, to get right with the Lord. Ask for forgiveness, if necessary. Maybe we've been rebellious or resentful to God. Or just apathetic. Ask the Lord to give you a, a repentant spirit. And not just to have a spirit that turns from sin but a heart that desires him more Let us pray about receiving the peace of Christ and what it means to have the peace of Christ in the midst of struggle and disappointment. Just allow the Lord to minister to you. And ask, and ask him for his peace. Lord, in this season of, of Christmas when um, so much is happening and everybody says we should be joyful and high-spirited, Lord, I pray for those that are down, that are sad, that are in a difficult situation. And we look to you, Lord Jesus. You promise us peace, peace through you, peace with you, peace in you. And I pray that you would Help to give us that peace. Be gracious and grant us, Lord, what we don't have. Help us to turn to you to rebuild and renew and strengthen our relationship with you that we may have that shalom and that wholeness and completeness that comes from being right with you. we praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for coming. We thank you for being born a baby and coming to live, to love us, to die for us. We give you praise and glory for you are almighty God. And we thank you for our church family here. In Jesus' name, amen.